Welcome to the Dwellness Podcast. I'm Ruth Steinmetz. And I'm Brian Steinmetz. Join us on our journey to discover the connections between physical and mental well-being and our dwellings. Quote of the week, quote of the week, quote of the week, quote of the week. Ah, uh, yes. One of the first billionaire industrialists ever. Uh, and of course, he came from America because that's <laughs> how America rolls. Uh, Andrew Carnegie. You may know him from Carnegie Hall in New York. Um, it goes like this. 90% of all millionaires became so through owning real estate. More money has been made in real estate than in all industrial investments combined. The wise young person or wage earner of today invests his, her, their money in real estate. What do we think about that? Is that still true? No, first of all, is it true? Was it ever true? It, no, it was not true then. It wasn't true then, you don't it think? It wasn't true then, no. Um, I, that discounts the lineage in human culture of um, family money <laughs> and generational wealth. Um, that was given to people. Mm, inherited by them. Yes. So, like, whoever the king or queen was, by whatever stroke whatever of luck, means, yeah, in Western culture, right, mm -hmm. um, says, okay, yeah, Brian, you could be a Duke of Sussex, and, like, here's your land, and then your family's set. Yeah. You're good. You're good. And you have serfs to work yeah, the land, so you don't have to. And what he's talking about is landlordship. Exactly. Which is essentially serfdom. Sure. Where you own somebody else's house. Yeah. Which is or where they live. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what he's talking about in terms of like building up that millionaire yeah. status. And you essentially have to screw somebody else over in order to get your own money. For sure. And I would say like at that time in America, you know, like there's this myth about America that it was self-made and, and it was a... Just the whole, like the whole way that most people are taught about American history is, is mythology. It's not, it's not actual historical fact. And there was a brief period of time where if you were white and your family happened to be the right religion and you happened to live at the right place, you could make yourself whatever you wanted to be. But that's just not the reality for the large majority of American history um, and American present. Like, it's just not true. So what is true? If you were to rewrite that quote or give us your own. Um, <laughs> I didn't rewrite it, but um, homeowner, I would say homeownership is definitely an amazing wealth builder. But mm. if you can attain it, great. Have at it, whatever. Um, diversify your assets, whatever that means to you. Um, Crypto. <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, Dogecoin, if you will. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just has dodgy in the title. <laughs> yeah. So you should know. Yeah. I don't know how I would rewrite it, but I think the key thing when thinking about this quote is like, Andrew Carnegie was a billionaire. Yeah. He was literally the richest man in the <laughs> that, world. Like really. At, at a certain point. You got to take what that man says with yeah. a grain of salt. Well, I'd say a pretty big one. I'd say a billion dollar Maybe size. a salt mine. Yeah. Perhaps a whole salt mine. Yeah. I think the, the thing that is an undercurrent of all of this is that land is the source of identity, power, and opportunities for building wealth. Generational but, wealth, too. Yeah, generational wealth. And 
land has been something that wars are fought over, mm. you know, politics are, you know, rife in all that. And genocide. I mean, look at look at the actual American history. For sure, example. Yeah. exactly. No. And all the opportunities for disenfranchisement have been centered around ownership of land mm. or ownership of humans. Yeah, or ownership of humans, which means taking Someone the humans the away from their land yeah. into your own space and then making them work for you. So there is this intrinsic need for humans to have possession of land so that they can have that opportunity to build their own life. And that's not something that we're talking about. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Land is power. Land is power. So we have with us today the indelible Troy Bachman. <laughs> the, uh, very German of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Troy Bachman, uh, <laughs> who is just a delight. We've already been here an hour and we haven't recorded anything. Um, she is the CEO, right, mm -hmm. of the Northwestern Vermont Realtors Association. Nailed it. Not my boss, but a very influential. If anything, you're my boss. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's fun. Because <laughs> you see, I have my realtor pin here. Uh, I've been a, uh, a member of this board for about five years, and I've been a realtor for almost 10 now, um, which is great. And, um, well, great, kind of. We're going to get into the meat of this uh, thing here. Mm -hmm. uh, but first of all, Troy, we have to ask you, how do you find your dwellness? You know, a couple different ways. So when I was thinking about what that sort of means, it's like what makes me happy inside my home and around my home? Mm. Like where, how am I creating a dwelling for myself? Um, walkability. Mm. I got to be able to walk places. Yeah. Um, it's I very un-PC of you, by the way. Is it? You're not supposed to say walkable as a realtor because people have wheelchairs. Oh, you have sure. to say short distance. Okay. Short distance transportation. Yes. Sure. Um, my bad. Uh, walkability and like character of the home itself and the space. Can you um, describe your home for us a little bit? I would love to describe my home. Ooh. So I currently live, I'm renting a home. Um, I currently live in a like 1908 mm. white, I mean, it's not really a farmhouse because like. Is it like a colonial? I guess so. I'm not big. I'm not, you know. You know, I don't know my types. Of homes. I'm not a describer of homes, um, but it's got these beautiful like hardwood floors oh, yeah. and like um, they haven't painted the trim and it's like hand carved like just very. Does it have those little circles? It does it? have the little circles. I love those. Yeah, oh, that's um, so nice. it's just lovely and um, it it hasn't been updated. <laughs> so windows? it has original <laughs> the windows. Um, my dog accidentally punched one of them out. Um, just by bonking his head into it. So they've got those really thin yes. glass windows. Um, so that's not great in the winter. Do you put the plastic up over them? We do put the plastic over, over them, which does hurt the internal interior design vibes. Um, but in terms of character, it's just like very... There's some light haunting vibes, which I actually really like. I like to have a, a ghosty a friend creepy. in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like to hear the house creaking at night. You yeah. Know? It, There's something about that that's kind of romantic. Yeah. So and I can't imagine living in a new build, mm. like with the millennial gray, everything. And, mm. and the luxury vinyl floors. <laughs> yeah. Like I like the maximalist, like Ooh, gold yes. frame art, you know, yeah. all that. And that's the, th that's the third thing that helps me find my dwellness is I love weird. 
weird art. Like weird art. Oh, I have a gift for you. Ooh, cool. Um, yeah, so we have, like, I would say probably 50% of the art hanging in our home is of naked people. Um, like, we have one, uh, I forget who the artist is, but it's called Pornocrates, and it's of a woman walking a pig on a leash. Awesome. It's amazing. So, the, all of those things. A naked woman, I assume? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we <laughs> so actually all of those talked things. about, in one of our earlier podcasts, we talked about um, some African art that was... Uh, the naked lady. Remind me. It's Javier Estrada. Yeah, she's the she's a contemporary artist in yeah. uh, I think California, and she has California. a lot of like naked women yeah. art. She's, yeah. Well, I, I, I messed that right up. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you were so close. I was not so close. <laughs> um, yeah. So all those things combined make a great dwelling for me. Great, a great keep keeping me happy home. So you've nice. got a dog. You've got a kid. You've got a husband. Yes, I do. Would you like me to things. list my other earthly possessions? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like these things also yes. contribute to that. Well, I, was, I should think. I mean, yeah, but Obviously. I also, I would say that, like that is those. Well, no, I've definitely curated those, but I was thinking about it more from the perspective of like, how do I actively approach this? Mm. And those are the thing that's like I seek out places with character and mm. art and short distances to things I like. Right on. Right on. That is a that is an excellent answer. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, now to the meat of things. Let's get into or it. Or to the vegetables, really, because that's all anybody can afford anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tragically. Yeah, we're in the midst of a housing crisis, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. in this state in particular and all over the country. They're trying to blame it on the pandemic. I think that the powers that be are manipulating the pandemic to drive prices up so that they get more money. Could be part and of it. It's also like inflation and stuff like that. Can we just discuss what makes this a quote unquote crisis? What's being done? How, what can we do? Sure. Um, so I want to kind of push back on it's because of the pandemic is the first thing because mm. the true crisis is a, it, there's a wage crisis and that totally. wages are not keeping up with inflation. Prime example, everybody knows it, is minimum wage. The federal minimum wage is? 7.25. And it has been since? The 70s? Uh, the early 90s, I the think it was. It, I think Bill Clinton it, bumped it, it up like, like a, quarter. a dollar. Yeah, it was like not yeah. significant. So like when I was in born my lifetime, in 84, yeah. it was like 5.25. Right. And it's gone up $2 right. in my lifetime. And so let's look at the cost of housing. Um, my parents bought their three bedroom, two and a half bath home on like two acres of land. Granted, this is in North Carolina, but um, in ooh, 1994 for $89,000. You can't even Disgusting. buy a car for $89,000. You can't buy a car for $89,000. So that is sort of the meat of the what is being called a crisis. The reason that I kind of put crisis in quotation marks is because if this was a crisis... The government would be doing something. We about would it. be throwing infrastructure at it, and we're not. Well, we're, that's because it doesn't affect the top one percent. Exactly, they're um, benefiting from this crisis, right? And maybe even creating it. And the other layer of that is not just home ownership, but rent renting. There are people, for whatever reason, don't want to own a home, and that's fine. I don't believe that you have to own a home. Yeah. Um, but. Nowhere in this country, there is nowhere in the country that you can work a minimum wage job um, or even, I mean, 
hell, even $15 an hour, like that doesn't cut it. And afford rent on a studio, one bedroom or two bedroom apartment. A full-time job, you cannot make rent. So you're suggesting that the federal minimum wage needs to be like $25 an hour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so every, everyone should make $200 a day. If you haven't and that, done... And you might be able to survive on Maybe. On that. If you haven't done a lot of research on the minimum wage, I wrote um, a paper on it in, mm. in my graduate degree. Nice. Um, and I learned a lot. I know. I, I worked really hard, so that I will brag on. Um, but I learned a lot of interesting history about the minimum wage that I think would provide some clarity for folks. So I, I encourage everybody to do some reading about it. Um, I can send you some resources to share. Yes. Please send me the actual, like your thesis on this. I would love sure. to read it and link it to all of our stuff. Oh, it wasn't that serious, but... <laughs> I mean... It's up to you. Okay, we'll discuss. Um, but all of this to say, there's a great quote, and I wish I had written it down, but there's a great quote when minimum wage was first enacted as a um, principle in our government. It was designed for people to live a... Like, you were supposed to be able to buy a home on minimum wage. And you could for a lot of... Like, from the onset of minimum wage to the early 90s, you could work a minimum wage job and buy a house. I mean, think of, think of like... Think of even, like, our pop culture. Like, yeah. Like, Homer Simpson works for minimum wage. Exactly. He owns his house. And that was true when that started in 1989, but it is not true now. No. I mean, I my, my family is a prime example of this. <laughs> so, my husband and I moved here last July. Um, my husband's in IT. He's, he is, granted, he is working part-time and took some time off so we could have a baby mm. um, since there's no uh, parental paid parental leave in this. Um, That's a whole other thing. Another <laughs> whole other thing. Whole other um, thing glad to yes. talk about that, too. Um, but I make six figures. Not like, I'm not into the six figures, but I make f I, what I would call fine money. And... My whole life, I was like, okay, once I get to six figures, I'll be fine. Like, it's not true. Whatever. And it is so not true. Yeah. It's absolutely not true. And I cannot imagine how anybody is doing it with less money than we have. And we have what should be enough money. So let's talk about how we got to the cost of housing being what it is. Um, Enlighten me. So this is. I want to sort of make everybody feel better, though this isn't really going to make you feel no, better. We need hard this truths, is a, This actually. is a nationwide issue. This yeah. is not just a Vermont issue. This is not just a Chittenden County issue. This is nationwide. I worked um, in the real estate industry in North Carolina, and they are having the exact same conversations that we are here. Exact same conversations. Um, so this is a long-term nationwide issue. It did not... The pandemic did not... Um, it maybe set some things in clearer light, but I wouldn't say it maybe accelerated, you know, accelerated some of the crisis, but a lot of this can actually be drawn back to the crisis in 2008. Um, mm. so building because of the great recession, um, decreased tremendously. So we were, we are now historically underbuilt. Yeah, about um, like 2 million units? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're underbuilt, and that stems from when everything sort of screeched to a halt in 2008. Like, mm -hmm. we are not recovered from that. We had some great recovery, but we are not recovered. Um, so that, on top of a labor shortage, um, 
I know my generation was told, go to college, get a real degree, um, and you'll be set for life. That's, and so That's a lie, too. That's a lie, too. And the number of tradespeople has decreased tremendously. Um, and so that makes labor more expensive, uh, basic supply and demand. Um, and then another thing is the cost of building materials absolutely through the roof. They are coming back down, thankfully. Um, but all of these things are like a perfect storm for there's not enough supply, there's too many people, um, and not enough people to build the housing. That is not even the full picture, though, because um, people are living longer. Mm. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, when we when I first got here of like the length of people staying in their home is has gone up tremendously. I'm going to read a statistics and I would like to caveat. Please remember that statistics can be interpreted however you would like to, but they are helpful in understanding the context and full picture of an issue. You totally went to grad school. Well, I also should caveat, I'm not a data scientist. So this is from um, the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard, Mm. Um, you know, Ivory Tower University world. Um, But here you go. The number of householders ages 65 and older grew by nearly 40% between 2012 and 2022 to a whopping 35 million households. And we're only 2 million shy. Yeah. 2 million of those people would just either perish or um, choose to live in a retirement community. Right. The housing crisis would be much less impactful, I think. Right? Yeah. So, and that, you know, people are living longer, healthier, more independently. And again, the way we live in homes has changed. Um, we're not living in intergenerational spaces anymore. We haven't for some time. Exactly. Um, and that's, that is contributing to the issue, right? If we had more people in one house, then not, you know, you have five kids, which is a lot, but say you have two kids. Who can afford that in this economy? And then, yeah. If you have two kids, then you've got three houses eventually. Right. right. And, you know, mom and dads and then junior and, and junior two. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing. Um, and then the, the last, well, it's not last because there's, gosh, so there's no things. end to this issue. But something that I do want to mention is mm-hmm. that in Vermont, the decreased supply is by design. Um, You're talking about Act 250? I sure am talking about Act 250. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So um, Act 250, for those of you who don't know, uh, was came about in the 60s, I believe. When, 1970. 1970, excuse me. Uh, but it was in response to the 60s like ski craze where a bunch of people from out of state decided to come here and build ski chalets and et cetera and so forth. That's when Stowe really started to hit the map. Uh, and the skiing, in because it wasn't as easy to get to Colorado as, as it is now. Um, and so it became a big thing, especially from like the, the belt of cities uh, along the East Coast, Boston, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, et cetera. They all wanted to come up for vacations. They built ski chalets. And the local Vermonters were concerned that they were going to destroy our beautiful green spaces. Which, Nimbyism, if you will. Sorry? NIMBYism. There's a phrase in the housing world um, called NIMBYism, which stands for not in my backyard. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, of course. Of mm-hmm. course, yeah. So um, the local legislature in Vermont decided to do something about it, and they created this thing called Act 250, which really put a lot of environmental limits on building. Yeah. yeah. So Act 250 is the uh, premier piece of land use regulation in Vermont. Um, and there is a particular – there's – it's – 
it's it's a fat piece of legislation. Like it's there huge, are a yeah. lot of layers to it, um, and it it is maybe mm. not fair to say like this is why the housing like it's definitely not the only reason, but it's a major contributing factor. It's a major contributing factor, and there is a. Um, part of the legislation called the 1055 rule. Are you familiar with the 1055 rule? I believe so, yeah, but enlighten us. Please. Sure. So the 1055 rule says that you can only build 10 houses within five years, within five miles of each other without triggering Act 250 review. Mm-hmm. So an Act 250 review requires your project to be taken through like 10 or 11 different bureaucratic reviews, um, adds a lot of time, adds a lot of money. As we know, time is money, especially when you're building. Um, and a 2017 study from the legisl- the Vermont legislature found that this regulatory review process could potentially add up to $50,000 to the cost of a home. So again, that's 2017. Um, a lot has happened since a lot has happened to, since 2017. A lot has happened since the 1970s, and, and there's been no major provisions to this piece of legislation. So let's go back to the 1055 rule. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? There's, there's also some, <laughs> some, some towns also, they have jurisdiction over their own township. Yes. And they are, I'm thinking of a couple in central Vermont right now, but they say like, hey, you can't develop, you can't build a house unless you've got five acres to build it on. Right. Why? Right. You can build 20 houses on five acres. Right. And, you know, I... Well, we love the trees. We do I, I love mean, the I trees. I understand that, but we yes. have more trees in Vermont today than we did in the 1700s. Yeah. So, like, I think we can spare a few. Also, there's another thing in Vermont where we can't build tall buildings, mm-hmm. which I think that in order to well, preserve the, the trees... Well, the birds fly into them. In order to preserve <laughs> the trees, though, and the natural green space, the more populated areas like Burlington... Rutland, Montpelier, uh, would have to go up instead of out. That would that would solve a lot of problems. There's a concept. I'm not saying in, let's build skyscrapers, sure. but like let's go up to 15 there's a, stories. There's a concept in that? urban planning called sprawl. Yes, of course. Um, the idea that as cities grow, we want them to. We don't want them to sprawl. Sprawl is bad. So sprawl is just, you know. It takes yeah the the, the, it, the creeping fingers of the municipality. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very a geographically large space, but you've got to drive a lot of places. That is the least environmentally efficient way to exist. Um, so you got to go up. So you got to go up to to decrease that, and that's not happening here. But it's interesting that you say that actually, because yeah. I was just looking at some statistics or some information. Pardon me, <laughs> I'm the one burping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I was just looking at this last night. I was curious about um, like London, New York mm. versus Burlington. London is about 600 square miles. Uh, New York is about 300 square miles, all five boroughs. Burlington is 15, mm-hmm. or between 15 and 16, about 15 and a half miles. What are we, we going to do with 15 miles? You have to go up. There's no other way. Or town, but who wants to live underground? Well, the alternative is that you have to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, and right. what's, what's happening is like the, 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 the people that are coming in for vacation homes, et cetera, are driving out the Vermonters who want to live and stay here with their families who have been here for generations like myself who can no longer afford it. And, and, not a but, an and, our economy does depend on those people. The way our Which economy, is a but it, <laughs> it's, it's economy so design, artificial. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I just I keep getting so frustrated with the lack of conversation around 
you know, the source, the root of this um, issue with preserving the green and preserving the way Vermont looks like, it's so artificial because like if we go way back to the 20s, 30s um, with the eugenics movement, what was that all about? It was about Looking pushing, the way to look. Yeah, pushing people out so that we look how we want to look and we attract who we want to attract. And that is just, it's, it's inequitable, it's unfair, mm. and it, it's, it's part of the root cause of our problems right now. Because, like, we wanted to make this place look like this. And that's why I say it's by design. It's yeah, by it's design. Totally design. It's by design, and we don't want to talk about that. And then the other thing you were saying, uh, labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another, like, artificial crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, uh, there's been a significant decline of unions, uh, since the 80s, 90s. And, Earlier, but yeah. Yeah, and unions are there to protect employees and employees' rights, and people are not taking these jobs because, first of all, these jobs aren't paying enough. There aren't enough benefits, childcare, whatnot. Um, and you're, you're not making enough to make ends meet under severe working conditions. So, you, of course, you're not going to take that job. It's not about there's a labor shortage. It's about the working conditions in these positions are not sustainable for the labor workforce or for the workforce. Yeah. Mm. Why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we putting these companies to task to make these jobs actually sustainable for its employees? Again, if it was a crisis. Yeah. If, if we're going to call it a crisis, let's treat it like a crisis. Yeah. Let's treat it like a crisis. Let's start taxing billionaires, maybe. Oh, Brian. I know. Crazy That's very NPC of Crazy idea. No, they want to put their money to foundations and donate for good causes. They don't want to pay taxes. They want to build Listen, a submarine. Yeah. They want a suicide mission. All right. So, so on this show, we've already quoted, we've quoted Andrew Carnegie today. Previously, we, t- we quoted Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. These two guys were at odds in their lifetimes. And Teddy won. Mm-hmm. In theory, but all of his work has been undone by the new billionaire class in in the in the middle of this century. Granted, we had some serious race issues, but in the middle of this century, we had um, or in the middle of the last century, excuse me, we had uh, an actual middle class that was intentionally designed by by leaders like Teddy Roosevelt. That has been dismantled mm-hmm. on purpose by the elite class because they don't want to pay taxes. What the fuck is going on? I do not have an answer to that. <laughs> You're supposed to solve all our problems, right? I wish I could solve all your problems, but I can't. Um, yeah, I mean, the other the other layer of this too is going back to the labor issue um, is the the issue of student loans. Um, which, okay, yeah, which let me take my badge off real quick because I I let me caveat. You know, this is not none of this is the. Position of the Northwest Vermont Realtor Association. This is my personal mm-hmm. sort okay. of stuff. I'll make sure to cut that out. Later. Yeah, um, we'll get that in editing. Um, but the student loan crisis is a is a big freaking deal. We were all told, my generation, we were all lied to. We were all told, and it was true at that small moment in history. It was true that what, you should that you should go to college yeah. and get a good paying job. But the economy that we our generations were raised for does not exist. Does not exist. It was happening right at that moment that as a 10-year-old, I was told I should go to college one day. <laughs> now you can have a PhD and, and you still need to side hustle. Right. I have a master's degree and we're talking about like, okay, what business are we going to start? <laughs> like, 
what? I I don't want to work under these circumstances, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing about this too is like the greed is palpable. Yeah. I mean, you can see it. You can smell it. Elon has way too much money. He pissed away $44 billion when he could have solved world hunger with $30 billion. And let's remember that he said he would. And he hasn't. Yeah. Because of course he hasn't. Right. Because anybody, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Anybody with that kind of money is going to do bad things and hurt other people. And first of all, you don't even get to that level of without income doing without that. hurting sure. other people. You have to rely on the labor of others in order to build that kind of wealth. It's ethically corrupt. Well, we think it's ethically corrupt. Well, There's a whole contingent of the population that sees no problem with it because of the concept in our culture of he's a, self-made, he's a self-made man. He did this himself. He's pulled himself. He's worked really hard to get where he is. And unfortunately, it, all, it does all come back to an equity issue. Like, you know, I've, I followed all, I've checked all the right boxes in my life, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I still feel like I am not succeeding. However, I have a huge one-up on a good portion of the population because I'm a white woman. Yeah. I'm a white woman. And so I will be able to get things in this country that other people will, that people of color will not be able to. And we see that in the housing world as well. Do you want to talk about the homeownership gap? Totally. Um, so Why are you here, Troy? That's true. <laughs> um, so the housing crisis is important on so many levels. I mean, and we would be remiss if we did not talk specifically about the effect on people of color. Yeah. Um, so in 2020, the gap in homeownership rates between white Americans and black Americans was the same as it was in 1970, which was just two years after the passing of the Fair Housing Act. So in 1968, Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Fair Housing Act into law, which said that uh, people of color and six other protected classes could not be discriminated against in housing. we know that that continued under the table, um, much like every other um, example of racism in this nation. The the legal deadline is always different than the well, reality. They just do PR service to shut yes. people up. And yes. They, and I mean, so, you can speak on this better than I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Two white people talking about this. <laughs> um, no, no. It, we need more white people talking about this. Yeah, because yeah. actually our voices will be listened to, yes. unfortunately. And the onus should not be on the people yeah. affected to solve the problem. Exactly. We created they, the problem. Exactly. We mm-hmm. need to solve it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and we see we see this gap and even now. And did. Yeah, and the gap between the haves and the have-nots in this country is only going to further because of the housing crisis. Yes. Generational wealth. Generational wealth is important. Owning homes. Owning property is the way to is a a way to build. Going back to our quote, is a great way to build wealth. But so much of so many people in this country have no way to access that, no way to tap into it. How do you get even a three and a half percent down payment on a half a million dollar house? Right. You, you exactly. That's twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. How are you going to do that when you're making seven twenty five an hour? Right. Impossible. Yeah. The math just does not work. It does the not. The math work. is not mathing. Yeah. 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 Um, Speaking of which, um, I have some statistics here. Um, Median sales price. This is just Chittenden County? Yeah, this is just Chittenden. Chittenden County, median sales price of a home, single family home, $534,000. For the month of August 2023. Just for the month of August. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Median days on market, seven. So you have a week to come up with $534,000. 
List price received. This is where the greed really is palpable to me. Is one hundred and four point eight percent, one hundred and five percent. So everybody's getting five percent more than they're asking for. Now, I started my career in twenty fifteen, which was a very different. Things were still recovering from two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and it was more of a buyer's market at that point. Now it's a seller's market and will forever be a seller's market because of the in, the uh, inventory gap that we have right now. Unless all the baby boomers decide to suddenly die, we're in serious trouble. Sure. Um, and I think that the greed is palpable from people who have owned their homes for 20, 30, 40 years. They paid $89,000 for it. And now they're selling it for $534,000. Yes, because the market tells them they have to. Right. However, <laughs> they're screwing their children and their grandchildren. And, and this has been going on. I mean, there's environmental issues, too, that we can totally get into. But it's just frustrating. And I... I, I I'm just so upset by the the green-eyed monster that is rampant in this society. Like, just sell it, make a 500% profit, and go to a retirement home. Sure, and you know, or at least like let your kids live with you without like being like, this is my house. You have to do what I say, right? Because we're not teenagers anymore, right? But also, also, I'm not you know, completely against these people, right? Let's say well, that with a caveat. They're just cogs in the machine. They're just cogs in the machine. Because all of this has been designed this way. It's we've, been, we've had totally. our whole country was founded on inequality. Like it genuinely was founded on inequality. Um, what are you talking about? The Constitution. <laughs> the Constitution is a beautiful, says, perfect document. Actually, Thomas Jefferson. Just, now that we mentioned it, it was so perfect in fact that they had to immediately change it with ten amendments. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Thomas Jefferson said it should be rewritten every 19 years. It has never been. Are we going to take Thomas Jefferson's word for it? Well, it, <laughs> he was the guy that wrote it. Yeah. Like the, the, the architect of the constitution said it's an imperfect document. We need to rewrite it every 20 years. Every generation needs to be rewritten. It hasn't been rewritten since 1776. But my rights, Brian. What about her rights? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What about the rights of everyone that's not a billionaire in this country? Well, mm, yeah. First of all, we have how many billionaires in this country and no Batman? What the hell is going on? <laughs> Look, looks like there's a job opening, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to be a billionaire in order to be Batman. Yeah. You and know? handsome on top of that, yeah. Well, I've got that down. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about this, though. You know, we're, when we're looking at the gap in home ownership between black Americans and white Americans and all other... Well, there's actually... There was a, something that happened not too long ago. I'm sorry to interrupt. Ta no, but, tell me. Um, there was um, like a, a white couple got their house appraised. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you say it. No, no, you say it. Gap. Yeah, so yeah. I think it was the New York Times or something like that did mm -hmm. this. Um, and it was like a white couple got their house appraised and it was the same house, 750K. Black couple got it appraised like 400,000. Yes. That's a $350,000 difference that's on the whole house. same house. It's a whole house. Yeah. Well, um, not a, it's, it's, you know, you, it, three fifths of a house. Two years ago, it was a house. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and so there are, there are factors at play here more than just the years and years of inequity, which means that the wealth in this country is held by white people, um, but it's still actively being, that, that um, paradigm is being actively perpetuated. Um, so there's... Um, a lot of research that says that that's, that was not a one-off case that has occurred for years. Um, and that is, you know, thinking about like, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? That's one thing that 
real estate professionals should be actively aware of mm. and actively have a hand in if you have any care about that ethically um, is that you have to advocate for your clients of color um, and make sure that they are treated 100%, 150% fairly um, in the whole process. Because they're already treated unfairly by every other metric. Exactly. Um, And so the the least that we can do ethically, as, as realtors especially, we do have a code of ethics. A real estate agent is different than a realtor. Yeah. Have you explained that on the show? No, actually. Why don't you? I would love to. So, um, and I would also like to plug an important uh, book while I'm doing this. So We love books. We do love books. Um, So the term realtor is a branded term, Mm -hmm. trademarked, um, by the National Association of Realtors. In order to be called a realtor, you must be a dues-paying member of the National Association of Realtors and I promise to adhere to the code of ethics, which has 17 articles outlining um, an ethical approach to real estate business, um, standards for how to conduct yourself, how to work with clients, and all of that. Um, So the National Association of Realtors is the largest association of real estate professionals. It is 86% white, um, and that's a rough number from 2015. But it is not the only association of real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are other associations, but they are much smaller. So again, this is the thing that we see in the real estate world is that the people guiding others through the transaction are largely white. Um, If you look purely at just statistics. Um, So... The National Association of Real Estate Brokers has 18,000 members nationally, um, and that is the association that prioritizes black, minority, and emerging target market segments. So those are the folks that are specifically focusing on black homeownership and building um, black wealth in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, one that, association- that, That's not even a sentence that you're used to hearing, black yeah. wealth in this country. Sure. Yeah. Unless you're talking about Oprah or Beyonce. Yeah. Right. Name another wealthy black person. Like there's, there's so few of them that it's like maybe I'm maybe I'm overstepping my my limits here. But like, like you just don't see a black person shopping at Whole Foods for example. And and again, you know, I'll agree with Carnegie that it does come back to um, this concept of generational wealth, where the white landowners in the early ages of America could pass that on to their country or to their to their children but their slaves didn't get any of that they just they got and 40 when, acres and a mule and then when, when the they didn't even get they that they didn't no, get they that didn't. that was like a, <laughs> a thing that was, that was even my mom <laughs> sang a song about that yeah yeah, yeah. but there was yeah. there was lip service to that yes. well, yeah. 40 acres and a yes. mule yes well and so when they it. right when they became sharecroppers right and you know it goes i so i i taught american history um for a few years i my background is in history education and I used to give this illustration to my high school students I'm going to give it to your listeners (laughs) so you've got two families you've got Mr. Smith a white landowner and you've got Mr. Johnson a black person who does not own property Um, if they did not do anything they did nothing other than what they were born into who has more to pass on to their children Smith. Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. If they somehow were able to scrape together a living of some sort, 
keeping in mind that Mr. Smith already owns property. And Mr. Johnson does not. So Mr. Johnson goes to work and he is paid at a lower rate, lower rate than Mr. Smith is if they even have the same job. So again, who has more to pass on to their children? Smith. Mr. Smith. And what's the big difference here? Landowning and white. Yeah. And that that is well, just the facts. Even if even if we've got all this great legislation protecting the rights of people of color in this country, supposedly. But, but that's from again the just start, right. From the start, it was unequal unequal playing field. Yeah. So I, I don't want to like dishearten people and say like there's no solution to the housing crisis, but there's not one solution, and I we've got to think about it from uh, with a historical perspective of like this this has been designed this way, so we have to actively design it another way, which means we have to dismantle things like Act 250. We don't have to change everything. We don't have to completely scrape it from the table, but we've got to look at these things like the 1055 rule. There was a change. There was a change proposed last legislative session to change that to twenty five five five. It's a lot of fives. So then you tell could, me about that. So you could. So what's the twenty five? What's the the proposal was instead of you can only build ten units, mm-hmm. you could you could build twenty five units within five miles within five years, right? So that's a very small change ultimately when mm-hmm. you when we think about housing stock. Right. It got struck down because of environmental concerns, and again. We do need to preserve the environment. We know climate change is real. We know that that is important. But the way to do that is not going to be to make housing sprawl out further. Yeah. Like a a building, one building in Manhattan, one apartment building in Manhattan probably has, I don't know this for, this is purely conjecture, probably has a smaller carbon footprint than. Well, everybody walks. A subdivision in and then, more you know, mixed use, getting the, the away car from issue in suburbia for us. Yeah, you, you've mentioned yeah. this to me several times. Yeah, because and then this this whole infrastructure of like let's build the suburbs and have the suburbs like 15, 20 miles away from the city, it just does not make sense. It's a major con- I want to be able to walk to work, walk my kids to school, walk to a shopping center. I mean, we're already facing that problem in um in Winooski where it's basically like a, no a, a, a food a, what is it called food desert food desert mm-hmm. yeah like yeah is there a grocery store in Winooski no you shouldn't have to ask that question no I should, you're right corner <laughs> markets and a big problem of that is like no. you know yeah. the grocery stores want a big parking lot because Everyone's of walking. the urban sprawl and Everyone's the walking. So, so that whole infrastructure of um, uh, grocery stores wanting that big ass parking lot does not make sense. Right. Have people have food carts and you know those shopping carts where they can walk to the grocery store, get what they need, and walk back home and not need to even drive that car to get there. This also will help solve the obesity problem in this country. Um. If people walked more. Let's have another show about that because I think the obesity epidemic is not real. Mm. In what way? <laughs> oh, no. We may have to edit this out. Um, I, uh, Just briefly. Well, um, oh, gosh. How do I boil this down? So, yes, people are in larger bodies than ever before. Um, but... The term obesity is sort of a classist and ableist term mm-hmm. um, in the sense that 
just because you are what is considered obese by the BMI, which is generally the indicator of what obesity is. BMI was developed again. White people. White people, men. Um, and I, I feel like like one doctor was like, my wife is too fat. I'm going to make this thing. <laughs> Probably. I don't know the whole facts. Um, but yeah, so the whole concept of obesity is sort of like, okay, but what does that it mean? Manu- because it's manufactured. People, right. Like yeah. people existing in larger bodies can be just as healthy as someone existing in a small body. Yeah. So Absolutely. my main concern about the obesity epidemic is, um, is really the lack of exercise and the amount of sugar. Yes. So it's a really a diabetic but, epidemic. Right. Well, okay. I just so read there earlier today that a doctor chops off a body part 150,000 times a year due to diabetes in this country. Yeah. A toe, a foot, whatever. Right. And so again, that's not necessarily an obesity problem. That's a diet problem, which we can probably blame on big sugar. Also, <laughs> food that's affordable. Food that's affordable. Is crap food exactly that leads to these kinds of issues monoculture is not helping us exactly yeah Yeah. which is a big part of like industry and it all comes back down to us getting screwed like the lower 90 percent of of the population getting screwed by the top 10 percent and it's housing it's travel it's obesity it's all of these things so i forgot to this is the the, the reaganomics that trickle down to us how dare you mention his name um (laughs) i uh I forgot to plug the book. Please but do. The book that I was going to tell you about was *The Color of Law* by Richard Rothstein. Mm. Um, if you've not read it, it had a lot of buzz a couple years ago, um, but it describes the history of housing and housing legislation in this country. Mm. Um, that would be an interesting read. And and it says, I mean, it was by design. Um, black 100%. neighborhood segregation was by design. Mm-hmm. Redlining um, and all that. Redlining. redlining. I, the even the food deserts are by design. Yeah. Like that's urban planners get to make those a lot of those decisions. And who are urban planners? Typically white people. White men. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, white guys. Um, Don't apologize <laughs> to white guys. Like, yeah. We've been you screwing everybody so else right, over yeah. for so many years, and like, and like even like, the way my brain was intentionally programmed from youth was to be a white supremacist, mm. and I had to break that down, and I'm still working on it. Just in my own mind, just like, I shouldn't be thinking these things. What is wrong with me? Well, I grew up in a white supremacist society that said, you're a white guy, you can do anything. Right, so and you're Andrew old. Carnegie. And you're old. Maybe we should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah I, I'm, a, I'm entitled to run this country. Okay, so maybe we add something about that to Andrew Carnegie's quote mm-hmm. of yeah, like. If you're a white man, well, he, he, the he quote is, is, in, in, is man-centric. Yeah. I changed it, but it's, it's yeah. he's talking about the wise young man of today. Um, well, because what year was that? Could women own property then? Yes, they could. <laughs> exactly. It's, but you not know, a black like, person. The people writing it were just thinking about them. Yeah. You know, they weren't thinking about women, children, people of color. And that's, whose land are we on? Right. <laughs> you know? that's, and that's something that we, when I, I keep coming back to by design, right? Mm. It, to get out of the housing crisis, which like, we're not going to build our way out of it. We're not like, there's no way that we can, people don't have to be building around the clock to build our way out of this. Um, we would have to be building a house for every baby that's born. Exactly. Every day. Every second. Yeah. Um, how many babies are born in a day? Like 20,000 say we'd have to build 20,000 houses a day. Right. And that's not happening. No. Um, so we're going to have to be creative and we're going to have to be intentional with how we can, 
how we get out of it. Um, so I would like to suggest high speed rail would be a great way to start doing some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Transportation is a bit, especially a in Vermont. I was going to say like, it's a privilege even being able to be in a walkable area yeah. in Vermont because that's not really a thing. You well, need a car. Vermont was designed to yeah. have pockets of, of population, you know, long stretches of road so that the, Strip the spots between each pocket of population could be nice and scenic and beautiful, and people, white people, could go hiking. And, and I, you know, let me I, let me give a caveat here, mm. um, which may not be necessary, but I don't, I don't, I genuinely, I don't think that every single person involved in the land use regulation design Act Two Fifty back mm. in the back in the day, I don't think everybody like sat out and was like, you know what. We should make Vermont as small as possible, and we should have no economic growth, and mm -hmm. we should design it so that no, I think our whole a... economy is dependent upon tourism. But I think a lot of the planning in this country is very short-sighted, mm. um, and that is the case with it's housing. It's very like, let me finish my term in the exactly. Senate, and then we'll peace out, and whatever exactly. happens, Exactly, and that's, and that's how we're... That's part of why we're here is like we have to stop looking two and three, two and three and four and five years in the future. We need to looking 20, 30, 50 years yeah. in the future. Which who knows if we're even going to have that. But like. <laughs> right. Because of the other short sightedness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great quote that I love. I think it's either Buddha or Confucius. But it says uh, uh, wise men uh, plant trees that they know they'll never sit in the shade of. And no government official does that. Yeah. No. Nobody plants a tree being like, okay, this is for my child. They, 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 they steal somebody else's tree and plant it in their yard and sit underneath the shade themselves. Yeah. It is disheartening. Um, but I do, I have some hope that like our generation is well, we're having these conversations, to, so yeah, that's good. Right. Um, the but, problem is the previous generation needs to give us their houses in order for us to actually be able to do anything. <laughs> yeah, but they need a place to live too. Yeah. yeah so I don't have the I'm statistics. I'm not trying to say yeah. like let's kill all the baby boomers or anything like that, but like. Well, but that's a, that's part of the issue too. Is like these baby boomers that do have these big houses so, also have nowhere to go. There's not places for them to step down. It, yeah, it, this um, is true. and who wants to step down with this interest rate? Like some of the these people probably have their. They have so much equity in their oh, house. Know, they do not need to worry about the interest rate. But they don't. But that is like. That's thinking for right now, though. Yeah, and also put yourself in point. the shoe of like let's say an eighty-year-old who you have the equity. Yeah, you, don't, you don't want to move. You, and then think about all these uh, retirement homes. Mm. First of all, the people working there are paid like shit. So yep. they don't care. And so that trickles down to the way they treat the people there. Yep. There's a, a huge loneliness pandemic mm -hmm. that we're not really looking deeply as to how we can build infrastructure to reduce loneliness in all the generations, starting from our children, to the older generations. And then there's not a lot of like intergenerational um, community, you know, yeah, where yeah. we have our grandmothers interacting with our kindergartners. Right. So that just kind of perpetuates this whole like isolationist kind of mentality and then not wanting to be in that position where you're vulnerable in this expensive home uh, home in terms of like retirement home mm. and being treated like shit for the rest of your life until the day you pass so 
I sympathize with that. I do too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I saying, would rather like, have that autonomy, but then the society hasn't been thought through to think about what these people really need in order to live out quality lives to their last day. Mm-hmm. And so we're and, just and kind of... dignity, too. Yeah, like with the dignity. Old folks homes, like, we, we had to put my grandma in one of those, and she spent the last 10 years of her life really just lonely yeah, and never, sad and just really terrible. And this is not what we should be doing to our elderly. Right. We should be revering I've never them. met a person who had to put their loved one in one of in a retirement home and been like oh it's so great right no they're having the time of their life like those are probably few and far between but again it's an infrastructure issue mm-hmm. like we don't have the social services to take care of the population yeah period and usually what happens is they live in their home until they cannot anymore they right. need full-time care and Someone coming to your house for full-time care is much more expensive than going to and a retirement home. And insurance probably doesn't cover it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, let's get back it. to, like, me- yeah, and the so medical. so forced <laughs> to sell their home in order to pay for the retirement community. And then oftentimes that money runs out. And then what, what are you going to do? Exactly. Um, do you want to talk about some ways to maybe address it? Yes. yes. Let's get I to that and then get to our last three questions. I got some ideas. Yes, yes. Oh, awesome. What do we got? Um, so a couple of things that are going on right now, both in our market and nationally, um, that can contribute to making everybody's lives a little bit easier. Let's talk about that. Um, I'm all about an easy life. So multiple occupants in a home. So nobody, you're talking about like a multi-family home? Yeah, nobody wants a roommate. Yeah. Um, however, intergenerational living frees up housing mm-hmm. and we're seeing more and more of it. So that is a that is a thing to think about. And we're not just talking about kids that, that finish college and then go back and live no. with their mom. We're talking we're, about we're talking about elderly people who have to live with their children, right? Yes. Because and we're talking the, about we also we, we also about. are talking about parents allowing their kids to live at home. I mean I was not kicked out by any means. In fact my parents told me I could live as ho- live at home as long as I wanted to. And I'm very lucky in that they they told me that. But a lot of parents just say, all right, you're 18. Get the fuck Sayonara. out. Sayonara. Um, and what 18-year-old, what job are you qualified for? You're qualified for a minimum wage job, which we've already established. You cannot, you cannot pay, pay rent. rent with. So you have um, to live so with like three to, of your friends. Exactly. Um, which is great because you do have some community there. Um, so that's a thing to kind of think about. We are seeing more and more people purchasing multifamily houses so like a duplex mm-hmm. a quadplex um and living in one unit and renting out um the other units to pay their mortgage um which is ridiculous you shouldn't have to rent out half of your house in order to pay the one mortgage that you have sure we're also seeing an influx in uh mother-in-law suites yep and like accessory dwelling units accessory yeah. dwelling units for airbnb purposes so that they can actually afford their mortgage because everything costs half a million dollars yeah and yeah, everyone's so making thirty thousand dollars. There's a, a there's a big buzz right now in the housing world talking about missing middle housing and yeah, um I'd, I'd like to talk more about that. And uh accessory dwelling units. So along with changing where we build houses, we've also changed how we build houses. And part of that is because like the financing doesn't work for the building materials unless they're a mega mansion. So like if you think back to the nineteen fifties Sears and Roebuck catalog house mm. yeah what would you say the average square footage of one of those probably was a thousand square feet yeah what would you say the average this square is, footage of the house when is i now? think of those houses um double uh, triple yeah it's easily. 3, yeah. square feet yeah. is the average uh when i think of those houses i think of like north avenue yeah yeah 
And those are beautiful little tiny homes. Yeah. And, and, and they're not tiny. But they but would be classified as adequate. Yes. Yeah. adequate for a right family of three housing. to five. Right mm-hmm. sized housing. Exactly. And so now we had, a, we had an epidemic of McMansions in the 90s yeah. when the economy was relatively good and people actually could afford things. And they were just like, oh, I, I'm making you know six figures with good money back then. Mm-hmm. And they would want to buy. I mean, my family did it. We moved from from Essex to Essex or from Essex Junction to the town and we when I was about 10 or 11 years old we we doubled our square footage nearly yeah was that necessary yeah I mean here's the thing I, I mean I'm if you want so to, like, if you want to own a, a big old nice fancy house you should be in this country you should be able to you mean in the richest country that's ever existed? Sure. Um, One would think, yeah. You should be able to. And I don't want to stop anybody from doing that. But I do want builders to build some things that are reasonable. Because are, are reasonable. I've lived in a big, big house. And it's so much to clean. And I don't want to do it. And so I know so there, are many, there are many people like me who are like, I just want a little house. I would rather um, have a little house with like decent stuff in it yeah. and like be able to take Some a vacation a couple times a year yeah, yeah. then have a huge house that you know there's this expression house, house rich, rich and cash yeah, poor exactly yeah. yeah yeah. so that is another you know a contributing factor there's a middle ground though you can be house medium and cash medium right. and live a great life right and that is, should be that's the middle class that should be the, the American yeah. dream is to own a home that's sustainable and and works for your family or your loved ones yep that, that doesn't make you drive you into poverty that doesn't take over 30% of your income. But see, so my husband and I have, we don't own, uh, we have owned before. I would like to own one day. I know a good realtor. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that. Um, And we were looking, we were just looking on Zillow. Um, The devil. The devil. (laughs) Yeah. I might suggest realtor.com, you betrayer. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Um, But, uh, we were looking on Zillow and we were laughing because a mobile home hundred grand cost six figures. Yep. And we were like, are you joking? What? <laughs> it's not just a, it's not a brand new mobile and home it's either. Not a it's nice a 30 mobile year old mobile home. That's never been updated. Nope. It probably has some, some pest friends in there because it's been vacant. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there's a big "Are you kidding me?" factor. Yeah, in this whole thing, like it's really disheartening for the average uh, buyer right now. Yeah, to just be like, I, I am never going to get a home. No, um, I cried about it the other day actually. Um, it's so okay. it's sad. It's extremely sad. And I had a a great I, I the mortgage lender I was meeting with. Um, we were talking about like how are people doing this right now? So another way to make They're it cashing in the four hundred one k to make it easier mm-hmm. um creative financing options right so we're seeing some banks waive the upfront fees so if you don't know a bank charges you all these fees when you get a mortgage just like any other loan um and we're seeing some more some mortgage companies are like yeah we'll waive those out of the goodness of their hearts um we're also seeing some employers who have the capabilities to do interest point buy downs for their employees um as so, opposed to stock buybacks yeah right um so you know th- those are some of the ways to make it a little a little bit easier because again the in uh, an interest rate of eight percent on a half a million dollar home means your mortgage payment is what brian uh eight percent on half a million dollars is about forty five hundred dollars yeah so, eight, so it's currently six point eight six percent okay by the way. so 
8% on an $89,000 home. Well, even 15% in the 80s. Right. On an eighty or a hundred thousand dollar home is an extra hundred and fifty bucks a month. Yeah, so that's not unreasonable, right? So people are going to have to get creative with that yeah. kind of stuff. And here's where the big we're going to circle it on back to family money. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everybody I know right now, and a lot Seriously. of the realtors I work with are telling me that their clients are relying upon the bank of mom and dad. The bank of mom and dad, which yep. there is not. We should be doing that. That's the my personally, I think that's part of why family is important because mm-hmm. you do need this village. Um, but it does kind of sting a little bit in the land of opportunity where you're told you can do whatever you want yeah. to have to rely on the bank of mom and dad. And, it's and a also, lot of people are doing like that. a lot of people have difficult relationships with their parents right. or the money comes with a lot of strings attached. Yep. And again, they have the purse strings, they make the rules. I mean, that's, that's banks do the same damn thing. Let's go back to Mr. Smith and Mr. Johnson. Mm -hmm. That's going to further. Johnson's parents were slaves. I mean, they're not going to. Further widen the inequality in this country because most of the wealth in the country is held by white people. So the bank of mom and dad is white and perpetuating that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just, the machine has been set up. Whitey, 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 whitey. You see a lot of immigrant communities come together and do that communal um, um, fundraising. Yeah. 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 Uh, Which is, it's it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good because it really strengthens ties in community. Mm -hmm. It helps people feel like they're part of something and be accountable to one another, which is really great. Um, so I see that as like a good thing out of all this and social connections are so important and I I just don't like the way the society is built up to isolate people further and further because then that weakens those social ties which are very much needed for families to and just have a way the out us versus them yeah well it's a divide and conquer strategy yeah. yeah yeah I mean th- let's face it the elites have access more access to knowledge than than the average person with the exception of the internet and stuff like that but we're too tired at the end of the day to bother right warren buffett reads six hours a day i mean there's a reason he does that wow i wish i had a wish i had a job where i could read (laughs) so so this is this is my point though like like the the top is actively working on staying at the top and the bottom just has to survive yeah but but we we are resilient. Indeed, we are. Um, we have brains, and we have. And there's like we, way more of we us. We have too, the which gumption cool. to just like come together, and I I just don't want to end it on on such a sour note. You know, uh, dystopian note because mm. like there's still hope for people to do something and do something well if we have these forums where we can talk these things through and come up with a solution because waiting for the higher ups, the one percenters to To like grow a conscience, that's never going to happen. To do something. When has that ever worked? That only ever works in when Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Right. Oh, I used to show that to my kids. Mm. You notice it's not Mr. Johnson goes to Washington. I do notice that. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about it. Um, Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. With you, Ruth. Um, I, you know, a, a good thing that we're seeing um, more community land trusts, mm-hmm. um, more. Uh, As a realtor, I slightly co-ops. hate that. I oh, wish that they would work t- with realtors. They, sure. Like, like, we'll like have the, to Champlain, have another... the Champlain Housing Trust right now 
actively does not work with realtors right, like right. on purpose because they don't want to pay out the extra 6%. But meanwhile, right. like I still have a family to feed. Exactly. Why cut yeah. me out? What you did were, I do? You were cogs in the machine. You yeah. were cogs in the machine. But again, it's going to take some of these. We're going to have to diversify also, the way we transfer property in this the, country. The other thing about the tr- housing trusts is um, they take the equity. Yes. Essentially, which yeah. is which is the, how you build generational wealth. It is. It is. Um not a perfect solution, but we're seeing more of it, um, which I think, you know, yeah. helps. Do There's you have no any more to add? Oh, gosh, I have so much more to add, but I know we're on a time crunch. Yeah. Um, I would say Just keep going. Uh, <laughs> alternative credit scoring as well. Mm. Um, why don't your rent payments go towards your credit? Or your utility payments or even Netflix. Any or of it? your cell phone bill. Yeah. Or all of it. Well, that's because um, rich people control the credit scores actually yeah. we're one of the only countries in the world that has credit scores oh yeah when i found that out i was like you what? mean what excuse me i mean yep. i don't have to live like this yeah what are you talking about <laughs> yeah um and then down payment assistance programs mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more of that and that's luckily i mean nobody can afford 20 percent anymore right. so like banks uh, have gotten on the bandwagon with like the fha uh, and rd the federal programs are usually three and a half to zero percent down right Right. The problem with that is you then get PMI, uh, uh, mortgage, mortgage insurance, insurance, which you then have to pay until you get to 20%. And you have to remember that you're at 20% and call them and cancel the PMI. Yes. Otherwise, you're still going to get charged for Again, it. Again, the system is stacked against you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, one, you know, one more note on down payment assistance. So this is a fun statistic. Not really fun, but mm-hmm. enlightening. Yeah. Um, so the Joint Center for Housing Studies did a down payment assistance um, study on how it would affect black homeownership rates so um, and Hispanic homeownership rates. So um, the intervention of $25,000 in down payment assistance would go a long way. Um, and uh, it could potentially increase black and Hispanic homeownership by 1.1 million households, which would narrow the black and white Hispanic and Hispanic white homeownership rates by 8% and 3.2%. I um, see a problem points. with that. Because as soon as that gets implemented, um, people are going to be like, okay, well, uh, everything's $25,000 more. Right. So again, the system is, Is we have to be, we have to be active in setting up a system that provides equity for the disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be fair to the people to fair housing. Right. It's not going to be fair in the classic sense of the word fair nothing but in this country is the word fair is not the same as equity yeah we're all we're all starting at a different we brian you and i are starting on a different pedestal way different oh, place. Yeah. Yeah. right are. right um I'm a, I'm a white man i can do anything in this country you can't well if, and if i can't. was if i was born uh wealthy i mean oh yeah i'd be you president could, by now ex- you probably well, would actually be. i'm not i'm not in my 40s yet but uh, well mm-hmm. you know um yeah yeah, so like there are there are things happening, but I you know the biggest thing is that real estate professionals and community activists have to be intentional with our actions mm-hmm. um, because otherwise it's just gonna the system's gonna perpetuate. Yeah, yeah, and it's just gonna keep going and going and going. And, and too many of my colleagues, unfortunately, are happy with the way things are going because they're making higher commissions. Yeah, and that's great for them and their families. It's wonderful, but they have to live in these communities. And they're perpetuating the greedy salesperson trope. And and just, and it, it sickens me that I seem to be the only agent that I know that's talking about these things. 
I know a lot of people that are, so I'm happy to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I get to see, in my role, I get to see the broad spectrum of real estate agents. And it is heartening. That's Um, good. Because a lot of the people that I work with will go to bat for their clients. um, And... That that does make a difference, mm-hmm. um, and getting creative with sourcing the properties that you're trying to get on the market for your clients and all that. Like, mm-hmm. there are don't don't let yourself get too disheartened by that right. um, and jaded because there are people um, that are talking about this, There's prioritizing the end of the it. Spectrum though, too, um, yeah, with a lot of greedy greedy landlords around here. <sighs> Yeah, like that's that's yeah. a real problem. Yeah, yeah, we didn't touch a whole lot on that, but well, that's that's what Carnegie I think was talking about yeah. essentially was oh, yeah. was like own land, rent it out to somebody else, make them pay for your your stuff, and right. take a profit off of it. Like right. that's how you become a millionaire. I know lots of agents. Which that is the that. formula. That's the, that's form- the formula. That is how and you it's do a it. winning formula. Yeah, for you. And but and the question that everybody has to answer for themselves is, is that they're. Can I sleep at night if I do this? And that is what makes America, America, right? Let people make those decisions for themselves, huh? Yeah, I think we need to really dismantle this whole concept of what fairness means. Yeah. And think about it in the broad, you know, scope, you know, zoom out to the whole world. What does it mean to be actually fair? Because we need to have a way where we sustain that opportunity for generations and generations and we sustain this world right now the world is getting destroyed the oceans are boiling i mean yeah yeah the homelessness crisis yeah yeah people are dying out because of natural disasters indiscriminately well more disproportionately for black and brown and i mentioned africa but it's affecting, it's touching everyone now. It's getting to the point where everyone gets to feel that pinch. Well, and as we see yeah. all of those things perpetuating, that's going to affect the global food supply. Exactly. Um, it's it's going to touch yeah. everyone. And it's not okay to be okay with collateral damage or with feeling a little bit of pinch, but not enough to change your behavior for the better of other people because just because it's not affecting you to a considerable degree or just because you know you can get to like donate a million dollars but still have a billion it's still not enough and we need to be able to like have better values or raise up our values a little bit because even if you won't get touched your kids or your kids' kids will get touched. And what does that really mean for you and the legacy you're leaving if you don't really care to that degree where you want to do something about it? You if, know? If, yeah. If, if anything else, just for your namesake. Yeah. I am reminded, you guys are parents, right? Yeah. Um, remember when you were a kid and you'd be crying about something and Suck it up. it's not fair. And what did your parents always fair. say? Life is fair. fair. And that's that's the case with how we're going to get out of the quote unquote housing crisis. It's not going to be fair to the people who have already won in the system. Mm hmm. (sighs) (laughs) Okay, so anything else you'd like to add before we go to our last three questions? Oh, God. Um, Break the stigma of manufactured homes. I love a house with character, but like you can live in a trailer. I actually um, am a big fan of shipping container homes. Yeah, because they're cheap, they're they're um, secure, they're they're solid. Yeah, and you can you can build them really equitably and um, 
on very little land. Yeah. yeah, and be very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, um, with like highly energy efficient stuff in there, and we've got a gajillion shipping containers that we're doing nothing with, so we might as well make them into homes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I could one more thing us until tomorrow, probably. So you're gonna have to cut me. <laughs> I'm gonna off. give you one more. <laughs> no, please don't. No. Okay. <laughs> well, coming back to like you said, shipping containers. I saw in uh, somewhere in Asia they're using these these big culverts to make homes mm-hmm. that are. Just one, like one unit is a culvert and they design things to fit inside that. Interesting. It's very interesting. We need to think outside the box. We have all these industrial style things that are everywhere, cheap to make, concrete is ubiquitous. Mm. Let's utilize that. We don't need to have, we have the a picket fence structure you. in order to like feel like we're living the American dream or whatever dream you have. We can think outside the box and use materials that are already there, that are cheaper to make, and look pretty cool. I mean, yeah, you know, we can our, homes. our profit yeah. seekers out there, you can make a lot of money if yeah. you innovate. If you want to make money, innovate some creative solutions for building materials because yeah. there you go. There is money in environmentalism. Yep. Yeah, there is, actually. I mean, look at the Elon again, but right. look at the, the Tesla battery thing that he's making. Um, that he's making a fortune on that. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. All right. So <laughs> let's get to some fun questions. I, I feel I like I've been dominating a, this. Why don't you ask a butterfly some, ending? Yeah, I need uh, more coffee anyway. Yeah. We, we, we definitely need to be in chrysalis mode and just incubate some really good ideas. I like that chrysalis mode. Yeah. I, I read something <laughs> I really actually, like that. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of chrysalis mode, um, I read something not that long ago that said, um, you know, so many people just want to become a butterfly, but they think that they just have to strap wings on their backs. But really what happens is the caterpillar becomes goo and like destroys itself and then rebuilds. Yeah. Our housing market is definitely in the goo. Right? Yeah. But it's not actively being brought down to be rebuilt. It's just a mess. Yeah. But there's, there's systemically designed to be a mess. So what needs to happen is people need to actively break it down and to then rebuild it more equitably. That's my, yeah. that's what I think. I'm still on the side of, because, you know, at the core, I'm an artist. And a lot of artists are the ones innovating right now. Mm. You know, reusing with everyday materials, not wasting things, not throwing things in the dump and just re reviving things. And mm. I think that we need to just keep inspiring people to be those kinds of thinkers, because mm-hmm. that's what's going to help us. Uh, we don't need to be regurgitating what our ancestors did because that's leading us to a, you know. Well, it's leading us to having 30 tons of trash in the, yeah, in the oceans. Yeah, but we can be creative um, and that's okay. Yeah. I, I feel hopeful because as, as a parent, I still want to have that. I want to impart that hope in my children. I mm. want them to feel like we haven't screwed things so bad that they have <laughs> yeah. no hope of making any um, substantial changes in their environment. I really don't think that that's the truth. Uh, what I'm saying is that there is hope. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people are resilient. And there's way more of us than there are the Richie Riches. And let's look at the French Revolution. <laughs> Disclaimer. Shall we ask Troy some questions? Ask me the tough question. The tough three questions that we have for every guest. So number one is, 
what is one domestic task that you do really well or enjoy you don't have to like do really well to enjoy it <laughs> i do every domestic task well nice. actually that's a total lie <laughs> i cannot fold laundry I, oh my I god! Physically I can't. She's an amazing laundry cannot. folder, by the way. <laughs> I. It's more of an emotional issue than a like. I can do the laundry mm-hmm. all day. I'll. In fact, the thing that I am best at in terms of domestic, ta- domestic things, stain removal. Oh, you got a stain. That is a skill. You got a stain. I'm gonna get I'm it. I'm gonna out. call you the next I'm time I spill coffee on a suit. Oh, I, Carbana. Carbana. We are not. We are not sponsored. Um, it's it's a brand of stain removal, um, and they they come in like the tiniest portion sizes. But if you have a baby, it sucks because there's stains everywhere. Yeah. But Carbana gets a coffee stain out. I'll, I'll send you a picture. Nice. Um, uh, stain <clears throat> removal. But yeah, the folding of laundry to me is like. I've done the task. I've like washed it and just dried it. Miracle yourself and now in the drawers. It, and now it lives in the guest room. And it's just like a it should dance its way to the cupboard. Okay, yeah. I know, right? Disney lied to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I, I'll, I'll give you two. I'm bad at folding laundry, but I'm really, really good at stain removal. I'll take it. Okay. That is an important skill that you know. It's expensive, too, to get a stain out. Oh, it's cheaper than you think. No, no, like, if you don't know how to oh, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, because then you just gotta then buy, yeah, then you're stained. Yeah, you're, or a, you're gonna have to go to the, it, you know. It comes from a, a sense of frugalness for me, of like, yeah. I am wearing this shirt more than <laughs> once. Yeah. Right? Damn it. I'm with you on that. <laughs> or you have the to take it to the dry cleaners and be like, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, which is more money. Yeah, exactly. You know, often when you take something to the dry cleaner, you spend twice as much to yeah. get it removed than you did to buy it. And, and yeah. they'll always go, well, we don't know if we can get it out, but we'll let oh. you pay us to let us try. <laughs> so I feel you. It's, yeah. it's a good one. Okay, let's okay, get so, to the second one, which so is let awesome. Let me preface the second one really yes. quickly. I'll let you ask it, but let me preface the second one by asking Troy. Yes, Brian. Where did that name come from? T-R-O-I. Mm, my name is spelled T-R-O-I. Mm-hmm. If you are a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, it might seem familiar to you. Um, my parents were hu- are huge Trekkies. Um, in fact, we met William Shatner this year. Shut up. I did. There's a um, Star Trek museum in Ticonderoga, New York. My parents came up to visit, and my dad goes, uh, William Shatner's going to be at the Star Trek museum should I buy his tickets for a photo op? And I was like... Why even ask that question? Just buy them. I, well, I was like, let's be clear. I am not as much of a Trekkie as they are, mm. but it was going to make them really happy. So I was like, sure. Um, so anyway, Troy, Deanna, Counselor Deanna Troy is a character on Star Trek The Next Generation. She is the ship's like counselor. Um, which is fitting for me because I'm all about the emotions. I, I got to say, this has been pretty therapeutic. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Really? Because I feel more depressed than ever. <laughs> no, but there is hope. <laughs> there is hope. The fact that we're talking about these things yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're shedding light on them. And the, they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, I would know, that the first step to, to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. Yeah, here we are. We have mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. 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 So there's the story on Star Trek. Nice. And Troy. Yeah. Okay. I was giddy when I heard that. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. this is perfect because yeah. I am a Trekkie. Not, not geeky Trekkie. She's not, Trekkie, she's not but selfie with, yeah. with William Shatner yeah, Trekkie. But yeah. 
I got some stories for you about that experience we can talk about later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do it after the show. Because for me, I love, uh, what's his name? Picard. Picard, yeah. Oh, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. Oh, my I just goodness. love that he's, name. He's my, he's my captain. That's yes, my he is captain. my we'll captain. captain. My captain. <laughs> yeah, truly. I would stand on a desk for that guy. I would. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Here's to Jean-Luc. Yes. Oh, Jean-Luc. Yeah. Um, so so. The, the Trekkie question is, if you were a Starfleet officer, which you know very well, what that's like sent on a mission <laughs> not from first experience <laughs> actually first hand experience <laughs> <laughs> if you were a Starfleet officer sent on a mission for an indeterminate period of time and you only had to take three personal items what would they be this question almost broke me because I was like What's the thing where you just say like, "Give me an apple"? Trans, what is it? Yeah, that thing. The I keep I'm a forgetting bad Star that Trek name. Fan. I know. Me too. Transponder. <laughs> yeah, no. You um, can just say like, "Earl Grey tea, oh, hot." That's exactly. Like, yeah. So I was like, degrees. "Well, that could just give me whatever I wanted." So. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I feel like that thing. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the sparkles and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think. It would be paper copies of my favorite books. Because mm. right I like. How many books are we talking about? I think I would. You have can't to bring like a library with no, you. No, I don't know. I would have to. There would have to be some narrowing of the book collection for mm. sure. That would be painful. So we can it, say a trunk of ooh, your favorite books. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, so that's like fifty books. That's Perfect. pretty good. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. One um, week, you're good. Yeah. Just um, recycle for an indefinite amount of time. I. That's. I do that though. Yeah, me too. Um, I read. Um, I'm a content recycler for sure. <laughs> Ask me about the night. There's, there's a couple books that I reread like every three, four years. One of them is, um, uh, oh God, no, I can't remember. Catcher in the Rye. Oh. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when I feel like nostalgic or whatever because I first read it in high school. Yeah. And I'm just like, eh, I feel like a teenager. I'm really... <laughs> so, <laughs> my next item. Mm just came to me mm, but nice. again i feel like the technology would solve this for me well, my let's... favorite content to recycle is the 1999 cinematic masterpiece the mummy starring brendan fraser and Ooh. rachel vice cinematic masterpiece i use that unironically okay. <laughs> um it is it's the perfect movie it's not too serious it's not too like romantic. It's it's, it's not one thing. I will it's give you that. not one thing, and that's what I like about it. It's got yeah. a little bit of everything for yeah. everybody, and the cast is gorgeous. So I would probably bring the infrastructure for that to like be able to watch that. That was a good year for movies. I think I have you can to get say. both of those things with like a Kindle or an iPad. No, it's different. I need mm. the physical. So is it like VHS? I, I need the physical There's book. something romantic about having a physical. So book. I do have a DVD copy of it, mm-hmm. but it, the quality is bad. Mm. I mean, the quality of the CG in that movie is not. It stands the test of time, and I won't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> The like mummy will come out of the sarcophagus, and my husband will be like, "Really, it stands up to time, doesn't it?" And I'm like, "Shut up." Do you want to get a divorce? <laughs> Housing is too expensive for us to not live in the same place. Um, so that, and then the third thing that I think I would bring would be the infrastructure to have some like green plants. Mm. Like I need to be able to touch some grass. Every now and then, right? And um, we don't need a, a holodeck for that. No, 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 no. no. I need, thing. I need the real thing. So yeah. I don't know if that would last in space, but I, I do want just like a little patch of grass to touch. 
I feel like the, the Starship Enterprise would be able to have a, a, a botany room. Yeah. You can have a grow light. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I said I was going to bring my does... bird of paradise. Oh, I have to yeah. take care of that baby. Yeah. How long have you had this bird of paradise? Oh, we, uh, we've had it for some time. Yeah. For like two, three years. She's it's, had it for longer than yeah, it's now, like as sure. big as this. It's That's big. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't have any. There's like, one here in the lobby at Hula. Yeah. that is only slightly larger than ours, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, this has. She is foot threatening because we have south facing windows, and she's like. She's a big girl. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say that the other reason why I don't think that the infrastructure would be. Mm-hmm. That probably is not the best usage of my personal item, but because I don't have a green thumb. Like, I kill a lot of stuff. So I would have to, like, part of the infrastructure might have to be a staff person. Like, you can have a sprinkler system and a, and a Roomba yeah, kind of, like, a Roomba, like, I mean, lawnmower I need thing. to be Elon Musk in this situation. I need to have enough money to hire out. Yeah. Nobody needs to be Elon Musk. I know, I know. First of all, you don't need that much money. I just need grass. You just yeah, need. I just need some grass. There's something I, I read not that long ago just to throw this out there. Something I read that that was like there shouldn't be any billionaires. Once you get to nine hundred ninety nine million, you should get a plaque that says "I won capitalism" yeah. and get a dog park named after you, and then all your money goes to taxes. Would that be enough for Elon? No, that's you fine. Invite him on the show. That's fine. He wants power. Invite him on the show. It's, it's not about the money. No, because yeah. at a certain point, no, he's got more money. Well, than you he also needs. have to. I also wonder what these people is like. Who hurt you, baby? Heal your trauma. <laughs> Heal your trauma. Because, you know, like, they're yeah. ju- I just, I think of them. Do you Bill think Gates he, is pretty obvious, do right? Do you think, yeah. Because he was, he was a nerd. He was picked on. Yeah. You know, he do you got think a lot Elon of Musk's mom was like, I want you to be the most wealthy person in history? No. no like, I don't think so. You I, know? I, I, like, what happened, something baby? something happened to I him. Know. I, I think mean, it's a power thing. The same yeah. thing with serial killers and some CEOs yeah, they want to feel and like God. generals. That's what it is. It's a God it's complex. It's a trip. And so I for a long time, I think there were... There were <laughs> right? really, can that be a... Di- who, who's responsible for making billionaire a psychotic uh, diagnosis? Probably another billionaire. There is this really nice um, um, dissection of why a lot of like CEOs and power people end up being like having the dark triad personality. And Mm. it all came down to, it's the system that sustains this kind of people to be able to seek these kinds of position. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily like absolute power corrupts absolutely, but absolute power attracts, or the way we've set up- the desolate, yeah. Yeah, the way we've set up uh, power is like people who have those kinds of like personalities are the ones who thrive. Um, and you know, and get I should know that I have that kind of personality. You just don't know it. Yeah, but oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last question. Last question. This is like the longest show we've done so far. I think. Sorry. Uh, it's totally fine. I told you um, I could talk. Yeah, no, it's, it's this is, these are big issues. We have to. How, make how can we distill this? Though? Yeah. This is, the question. <laughs> this is like a whole series, so yeah, we can okay. we can bring you back. back. <laughs> uh, last question. What's one thing that can instantly make your day better? There's a lot of things, but a walk in the woods, looking at nice. some trees. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, a little sunshine, a little forest bath, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and grass, nice. and grass. <laughs> right? Actually, I did go for a walk. We went for a little hike yesterday, and mm-hmm. you know what? The thing that I'm always most excited about on a walk, it, like a hike, is touching the moss on the rocks. <gasps> 
It thrills me. Did you know that it only grows on the north side? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't know that? I don't know. <laughs> but it's, that's a great way if you're ever lost in the woods. That's a oh, yeah. great compass. I see. I would be panicking too much, so I wouldn't think about that. I, I would find my way. I've done it. Yeah. I've been lost in the woods. As a young man, I got lost in the woods and I found my way out. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That is yeah, scary. I yeah. t- touch it. I would even... I'm going to edit that. Touching moss makes my day better. <laughs> Just touching moss. <laughs> Just touching I, some moss. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm such a kid because I always imagine like little fairies yeah. being on the, uh, you the know, world is a and they're rotting wood. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, perfect. totally. Yeah. That's a good one. Great. Well, Troy Bachman, thank you so much for the, for today. It's mm, been thanks really for having me, y'all. Yes. Yeah, couldn't have done it without you. Um, I mean, we could have, but it would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> It's been That's illuminating yeah, and uh, I'm happy to depressing, about, yeah. but grounding. Happy to rant about housing it's, whenever you need. I, I really think that it's been more uplifting than anything else. It is the numbers are are scary, and the we the fact that billionaires exist and are actively working against us is also scary. But we can overthrow them. We can rebuild the system. <laughs> I can't believe that that's your takeaway. No, but like, we can have a, a, a nonviolent economic revolution in this country if we I, all band together. Yeah. It's going to take all of us being with, intentional. Yeah. Totally. All of us. All of us. Everyone. No head buried in the sand. No. If the outro music isn't Les Mis, then you're doing it wrong. Well, <laughs> Do you want? Do you want to pay for the for the rights to that? Because just for this episode, <laughs> yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Jean Valjean. <laughs> three, four, six, two, one. What is it? <laughs> yeah, three. Ugh, now I gotta sing that song. You're welcome. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta end the show. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Thank The Wellness Podcast is produced by Steinmetz and recorded at Dial Studio at Hula. Our audio and video production is handled by Syntax and Motion. Our audio engineers are Wesley Davis and Will Davis. Our show producer is Will Davis. Intro music is by Sam Barsh and outro by Ian Koloski. Artwork and promotions by Snicket's Public Relations. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Steinmetz-BT. Or you can sign up for our newsletter and get insights into our lives at our website, Steinmetz-VT.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.